the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello and welcome to this week's final yep. 442 Insider podcast for the year. Myself and Trev are sat here with Santa hats on. We've borrowed one from uh, Jonathan Gamano. We have his Santa hat. We are wearing it as we're sharing it at the moment, passing it from one to the other. Uh, Trev, welcome. Yep. Final pod of the season. Not the season, the year. The year. Make it um, a good one. Yeah. Let's kick off. Um, A-League round 10 review. Let's start with last night. Yes. Um, in Dunedin. Paul Eiffel um, scored the opener and the Nicky Ward got a second goal which condemned Brisbane Raw unfathomably to their third defeat on the bounce. Now, a lot of debate going on on Twitter, you know, is it as simple as Brisbane Raw minus Thomas Browich equals Brisbane Meow? Um, there's, no, <laughs> there's no denying he's their best player by some distance. I, I think the problems run deeper than that. I think that the way that they've played in the last three games... Um, is a significant dip on the level that they've been at um, and there seems to be a, a strong rise from the teams that they've played in terms of you know figuring out how to best you know take them on and the teams that they've lost to are, you know you know Wellington um, and Sydney and Melbourne Heart are good sides and sides you'd expect to be in the finals but it's not like they went you know away to victory and Harry had a stormer and then they lost to Central Coast or stuff like that. They're teams that you would expect the champions to be. So it, I think it is a, a genuinely sort of, you know, deep found concern that they should have. And also, I think, I think it, you know, it would be amiss just to say that this is the last three games, you know, because even mm. with Browich, you know, they were unable to beat a nine-man Melbourne team. They then drew, drew with again yep. with Wellington. So I, th- I think it's a bit simplistic to say it's the last three games. And yeah, debate on Twitter was, you know, have teams found Brisbane out? I, I, I don't buy into that because they were playing this way for 36 games and I don't believe that coaches didn't try and work them out for the previous 36 games and now all of a sudden they've got the, the magic sort of ingredient. No, um, but there did seem to be a bit of unity between the how the three teams played. The way that Wellington set up um, certainly seemed to dictate that they'd learn a little bit from how Hart and Sydney played against them in, in terms of how you've got to press and how you've got to get back. And, and Brisbane just looked, you know, um, you know, out of ideas. I mean, I certainly, I know there's been some debate on Twitter that they should be changing things around dramatically and they need a big man in the middle. <laughs> I and mean, this is all absolute nonsense. They don't need to do that at all. But you, you do feel that, because um, I mean, what was incredible about that unbeaten streak is that they scored in every game, didn't they? Yeah. I believe. Um, and now they've only scored one in the last three. So that, that seems almost a bigger concern. And in those that, that unbeaten run, they'd often go behind, wouldn't they? I mean, the grand final's the most famous example of it. But they'd often go behind and they'd just have a way of getting back in and, and breaking teams down. And it's just that sort of extra sort of cut in the final third that seems to be the problem. Mm. And also, I think, um, particularly with the way that they play, um, there's that sort of magic fairy dust in football that we call sort of, you know, confidence and momentum. And I mm. feel that that's gone a little bit. You know, is, is, is you know to play the way that they do and to consistently play out from the back, you know, even when under pressure, even when teams press against you, relies on having such confidence in your own ability, confidence in the players around you. And I sort of feel that that's just dipped a little bit, and they need yeah. to get that confidence back. Yeah. Um, I mean, we even saw it in the Classico the weekend. You know, the first goal after 24 seconds, 
was Victor Valdez playing out from the back and playing it straight to uh, Di Maria. The goal came from that. But what happens the next time the ball went back to Victor Valdez? He played it out again. <laughs> you yeah. know, he didn't even in that in that cauldron in the Bernabeu, they still stuck to their philosophy and eventually they won the game. And I just think, you know, they had a period in that game where they were under pressure and, you know, it's having that confidence in your ability to say, no, we're not going to change the way we play. We, it, It's got us to where we're at. We just need to get our confidence back and go back to what what served us so well for... 18 months yeah know. and we'll talk more in detail about you know the, the Mariners game but that's almost the perfect game you could go well that's not ideal because they've got the, you know the second best or the joint best team in the league coming to town but that's almost ideal if they yeah. can beat them then all of a sudden everything's back on track and by the same token you know we've seen teams try and press Brisbane before mm. and lose you know Gold Coast springs to mind when Miron did his I'm going to tell you how to beat the Gold Coast yeah um, you know but I think other teams draw confidence from the fact that they got beat the week before. Oh, yeah. You know, and, um, you know, one of the key things for me with the, um, with the other two games, um, you know, not so much, uh, I'm just trying to think when the first goal was last night. You know, it was 27 minutes last night. But in the first two games against Sydney and against Melbourne Heart, the opposition scored early, mm. which then means they've got something to defend. They've yeah. got, you know, they've got their tails up. They they know that if they can keep Brisbane out, they've won the game. Yeah, you know. So I think, uh, you know, if you want, you know, and when we talked about Gold Coast that, and and that game where they did press them and put them under a lot of pressure in the first half, they didn't score. Yeah, you know, and it ended up in the last ten minutes, it could have been six. You know, so so I think there's a combination of teams taking confidence from those results, raw on a little bit of a confidence dip, but certainly, um, you know three games out of 39 doesn't make uh, the philosophy wrong or make them a bad team no uh, okay let's look at the uh, the games from last weekend uh, let's start with you know Brisbane Melbourne Hart fantastic win for Melbourne Hart away at Suncorp superb play by Hart I love the second goal oh, you know the way that goals this, the season yeah the way they worked that through and, and Hart you know I, I know that Lynchy did a piece for us I think you know a couple of months ago now saying that there's, you know, and there was at the time problems for Hart. You know, there were the bribes made in Melbourne. The results weren't going well. This was supposed to be the season they kicked on. Um, since that's come out, they've really, really turned things around yeah. and and look like a, you know, a genuinely threatening finals team. And yeah, the, they went to Brisbane again, got themselves in front. Um, but in the first half, they completely outclassed Raw on their own turf. Well, you think you know? You talk about decision making in in football as being the key. You know, and I'm coaching my kids. You know, it's like the, the key thing that separates good players and good teams is is consistently making the right decisions. That second goal had, I think, four consecutive really good decisions from the players. Yeah. You know, and and that ended up with a fantastic team goal. And and also, you know, John Van Skip was talking about his side. And we'll bring that word in again, confidence. He was talking about their fear sometimes earlier in the season. And, and I think a result like that away at Brisbane should banish that for, you know, for the rest of the season. Oh, you know, really, that, yeah. that, that they can go and beat the best team in the, in the country away, playing the way that they want to play. Yeah. OK, uh, Wellington. Uh, it's been a good week for Wellington. They beat Perth 1-0 um, at Westpac. Uh, Perth continue to uh, have trouble on their travels. Um, yeah, um, good um, header from uh, Ben Sigmund from a set piece bullet header um, even though they were down to 10 men 85th minute winner wasn't the best of games but no. Wellington Wellington won't mind that well back at Wellington you know find themselves fourth in the league now and they'd had a few blips they'd, they'd lost a couple of games at home this season I think hadn't they or certainly been underperforming at home and you always felt considering how bad their away record was that they were going to have to do well at home 
and they've turned the corner there, um, grinding out some really good results. Eiffel back in the team. I mean, it's, it's very much Paul Wellington. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Paul Eiffel's Wellington, isn't it? He sort of, you know, guys. Might as well change his name exactly, to Paul Wellington. He might as well, yeah. Um, so he's made all the difference now. And you have to, for a few, so, you know, Wellington's always sort of sniffed around that mid table doing enough to make the finals. And, um, you know, if they get high, high enough up for a home final, then there'll be a pretty big threat, I'd say. All right, well, the Mariners uh, took care of Newcastle Jets pretty comfortably at Blue Tongue, 2-0. Uh, goals from Griffiths and Matt Simon, um, which saw them go level with uh, Brisbane at the top. And after last night's result, they've now got a game in hand. So yep. it could be three points clear. Well, uh, it could be six if they go to Suncorp and, and beat yeah, out for Brisbane as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, again, we're seeing uh, really good performances now. Not not just one-offs, but consistent performances from Amini and Abini. Yeah. Um, you know, which is fantastic to see. And, and also, you know, with... Um, we're qualifying for the Olympics in the precarious position it is, even though these guys are you know, quite a bit younger than that age group. Hmm. I'd like to see these guys given a run in the Olly Roos and give us a chance to go. And, we haven't scored in three games. you know. Yeah, yeah, that's a good turn. And as for the Jets, I mean, again, away from home, fairly abysmal. It's not abysmal. that far away from home, though, is it? Really? No, it's not, <laughs> no. It's just as soon as, as soon as they're not at home anywhere... I don't think they things, flew. ...things fall apart. Yeah, all right, victory... What do we say about victory? Um, denied a win at home. Uh, Fabian Barbiera's 82nd minute goal cancelled out. Uh, Archie Thompson's header. Um, what do we make of this? It doesn't really alleviate the pressure on either coach, really. Well, no, I mean, it was like watching two just very out-of-sort teams trying to find their feet in the league. I mean, a draw was probably a fair result in, in the end, considering... Um, Harry's performance, even though he had some chances that perhaps you could say should have taken, was the best I've seen of him. He, he really seems to be. Um, finally, if, if he hits the type of form that he's capable of, it could be very different for victory. But yeah, they, they, they were just both off the boil, weren't they? And it was just who was going to be you know, the least poor on the day was going to be able to win it. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's the next game? Gold Coast nil, Sydney nil. Oh, yes. Well worth the trip, Jacko. You were there. What a game. What did you make of it? Incredible. One of the best games of football I've ever seen live. You were drunk. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was, in, I was in the press box. It's quite funny in the press box, actually, because all the daily news guys, all of them had to file 700 words, and they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to write about? Um, yeah, look, it, it, it wasn't the best of games. Um, there were a few good chances, though. I, I think it's a suspicious handball from Shannon Cole. Caracasel had a header that... Um, easier you know, to score yeah it was easier to score that, that perhaps he should have taken quick comment on the crowd um, not that I, I'm going around accusing anyone of anything but just short of 3,000 um, I put it in some context I mean it wasn't the most exciting game and I was able to sort of partially count how many people I thought were there because I mean they don't open one side and they pretty much just open the odd bay so I you mean, spent the first half counting how many much, people were there pretty much yeah and, and I would say about 500 and even if I'm completely wrong and it's double that, that's still only a thousand. I don't know where they've got <laughs> three thousand from. But look, I'm not gonna. I, I don't know. I mean, can you look into things like that? I mean, who governs what they say the attendance figure is? I uh, mean, don't want to turn into the Daily Telegraph printing pictures and counting faces like they did last nah, year the CFC game. But, but you can obviously just say, you know, obviously just pretty much say what you want. I mean, I get it. It wouldn't have if say it was seven hundred or whatever. That wouldn't have looked great for the league. But there was transport problems and there was like. Uh, tropical storm in the hour leading up to the game or the half hour leading up to the game so I get why it would have dropped off a little bit 
All right, well, that's it for uh, round 10. I mean, the way that the ladder looks, obviously, uh, Brisbane and, Mel- and Wellington have now played a game more. Um, Brisbane are still top on goal difference uh, from the Mariners, although the Mariners now have a, a game in hand. They're both on 20 points. Melbourne Heart have moved up into third uh, by way of goal difference uh, ahead. Well, actually, on, I think on goal scored, because the goal difference is the same as Wellington. So we've got Melbourne... Wellington, Melbourne Heart, Wellington and Sydney all on 15 points. Then we've got Newcastle and Perth on 13 points, Melbourne Victory on 12, Adelaide on 10 and Gold Coast on 6. So still all very tight, five points between third and ninth, as you would expect at this stage of the season. So still early days, couple of wins, puts you right back in it. Couple of loses, as defeats, as we've seen for Brisbane, pulls you right back. So... Um, that's it for part one. We'll be back in part two to look at some of the news headlines from our website, au.442.com, uh, and also maybe take a look at some of our personal highlights from the last 12 months in football. The new 442 magazine is out now, and it's a Socceroos special. We interview five leading players about making the next World Cup via their road to Rio. We also have what turned out to be Gary Speed's final interview, an Aboriginal football special with Travis Dodd and Jade North, Ask if La Liga is doomed, and Rivaldo answers your questions. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Let's have a look at some of the news headlines. And uh, early news this morning, and not good for uh, Socceroos, uh, is Mark Schwarzer. Looks like he's been ruled out for six weeks with a, with a neck injury. Um, that he picked up in the game so he's, he's, uh, they've announced that today um, probably too early to say it rules him out of the Socceroos game in February but um, you know certainly you, you don't want to be taking any chances with, uh, with neck or spinal injuries so. no I, it's a good opportunity for someone else to step in anyway yeah I mean it's a dead rubber in February exactly, yeah, so, so it might be worth just giving him the yeah. giving him the, uh, the week off anyway but uh, you know certainly it'll be a massive miss for Fulham yep um, all right, big news this week was uh, Sydney FC unveiled their uh, football director, newly created position, and it's Gary Cole, former Melbourne Victory uh, operations manager or football director as he was there. Uh, certainly this has polarised opinion on the, on the fan forums. Um, some Sydney FC fans, just by definition, don't want any ex-Melbourne staff at the club. Um, others would point towards, you know, the, the fact that he oversaw the recruitment policy that, that delivered, you know, two championships to uh, to Melbourne. Trev, what do you think? Well, I don't think it's a problem that he was at Victory before. I mean, it's an understanding that he was quite instrumental in getting Muscat and Archie over to the Victory as well. That that worked out okay. Um, and it's not like you know he was Victory's captain for 15 years either or anything like that was it? he just <laughs> happened to work on the, the admin side you know the director side of the club for a while so that's not a problem at all um, yeah I mean in, in terms of you know to have experience success for your league experience exactly what you'd want for a role like that um, and yeah I mean I don't know enough about what football directors do to be perfectly honest with you but I mean if, if he's sort of involved in the, the recruitment and stuff then that's going to be essential for Sydney well it said you know in the press conference it said that he'll be responsible for the Sydney FC football department which includes managing the club's recruitment retention of players high performance health science player welfare and football operations um, and said so that he'll be working closely with the CEO to develop a high performance culture at the club um, yeah, I mean, let's look back at his time with, with victory because obviously, yeah, you can look at um, Muscat and uh, and Archie Thompson has been, you know, really good, solid signings. But 
we sort of passed that now because that was enticing Socceroos probably coming into the twilight of their career back to the A League. Mm. So that's that was a very unique situation, you know. And so, but for every Carlos Hernandez, there's a Claudinho or a Ricardinho. It's very dodgy. You know, so there was some, <laughs> yeah. You know, there was some big hit and misses when his time at uh, Melbourne. So let's hope that you know, you'd hope that he's learnt his uh, his lessons there and, he, and bring that to Sydney FC. I mean. The other candidates that were rumoured, obviously, that these weren't confirmed with people like uh, Kim Antaliadores, Dave Mitchell and Laurie McKinna. Yeah, I think, I think Laurie had applied, hadn't he? Yeah. Um, but then pulled out because obviously another opportunity came up. So, yeah. Well, he starts in January, so there'll be uh, plenty of people with a keen eye looking forward to seeing how he does there. Um, talking about ex-Melbourne Victory uh, staff, or uh, Jeff Lord, ex-Melbourne Victory chairman, um, who stepped down earlier this year was speaking to uh, Aidan at the uh, the launch of South Melbourne's new ground Lakeside Stadium in uh, in Melbourne last weekend where they played a, a, a sort of friendly against uh, Sydney Olympic the Greek derby um, said that uh, that South Melbourne should be brought into the A-League and Melbourne Hearts should be shipped out into the uh, into the suburbs yeah never want to take a step backwards is Jeff no exactly yeah. good, good way to grab a headline saying something like that um, look I, I I don't know. It's, it seems like a bit, like I say, a bit of a way to to get a bit of press over what's um, what's happening. It seems a bit reactive to suggest that Hart should be on the way. He does make a point about how much money Hart are losing. Well, he, he suggests, and it's obviously not confirmed. This is just what he's saying. It would be Hart be losing around three million a year. So how long are they going to want to carry on doing that? Especially if the whole league's supposed to be getting themselves you know, in a better financial position. Um, but, I mean, how much better off would South Melbourne be? I did think it was funny as it said that, you know, Hart have come in and have just plagiarised it because they're based in the, you know, in the city of Melbourne and to move outside and should be replaced by South Melbourne who are based in the city of Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he didn't, didn't quite think that one through. But anyway, uh, Jan Verschleyen, Aidan's been on fire this week. Uh, he got an exclusive chat with uh, Jan Verschleyen. Um as he sort of, you know, we termed it his exit interview as uh, as he leaves the FFA at the end of this year. Um, Trev, what did you make of this? You know, he was uh, he was pretty open, honest. You know, was, was sort of critical of some of the um, the criticism that he got, mm. uh, notably from uh, from our friend Foz over at SBS, uh, is as we know, never one to shy of an opinion. Yeah, I think he said that he used the term unprofessional. That the criticism of him was unprofessional. Um, I'm not entirely sure what that means. I mean, well, I suppose you know, unprofessional criticism would be if it was personal. If he was, if he felt that you know he wasn't the right man for the job, and regardless of what he did, he was going to criticise him. You know, that's that's certainly not on. Um, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, I think a lot of people felt Ian that he was sort of harm burgers. You know, Han was a reason he'd got got him in there, which again I don't think is entirely fair because if Han's got an overall vision, he needs someone in there who's going to better fulfil it. And I don't think he just got the job because he he was Dutch. And results really picked up actually once we knew he was leaving, which seems 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 a little bit um, seems a little bit sad. But yeah, I mean it, it's an interesting interview actually. It's well worth checking out. Yeah. Okay, I mean, you know, you name check some of the players coming through, people like Mustafa Amini, Terry Antonis. Um, you know, and uh, he talks about whether he'd come back here. You know, he said, you never know. You never know in football. Um, it's unclear where he's uh, he's heading off next, but um, I'm sure we'll follow his uh, his progress. So, and it's one of those, you know, it's one of those positions that is ultimately, you know, a little bit of a thankless task because mm. I think 
it's a it's a seismic shift to look at youth football and not focus on the results. Yeah. You know, and ultimately, the the, the benefits of the work that he does is is actually comes to fruition when he's no longer coaching them. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those weird transitional jobs that. You know, people are obviously because the games are televised and people want the team to succeed. It's like, well, they're not winning. And it's like, well, actually, it's sort, you know, of course it's nice to win, but it's not actually the be all and end all. If those players go on and become really solid professionals or hopefully future socceroos five years down the track That's when the I'm no longer them. coaching them, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, it's a thankless task and uh, requires a, you know, a fair bit of education all round in terms of you know, how, how you appraise the success of someone in that role. Um, Brendan Santalab, uh, again, spoke to Aidan about um, he's leaving Chengdu Blades. Uh, there's a bit of a, a, a sour aftertaste of that in that he's, uh, he's claiming unpaid wages and bonuses. Um, I, I actually saw Brendan down in Melbourne at the, uh, at the David Beckham game and uh, he was saying that he was really disappointed because he he's actually really enjoyed his time in China and has, has settled there and I think he met his partner out there um, yeah. and uh, was, was would be sad to leave so it, it, I think his, his first choice would be to stay in China and look for another club in China but yeah. obviously um, you know it just goes to show that not, not everything's always as rosy as it would, you would like it to be going into the uh, other Asian leagues and um, Sometimes players, we've, we've had this before, you know, have to fight to, to get their money paid to them. I, I think with Brendan, he'd have an excellent agent DVD because he's scored some outrageously brilliant goals, isn't he? You could probably pass around a DVD. His nickname's The Cannon. Look at these goals. Brilliant. <laughs> Sign him. And that's all he's done. All right. Uh, there were reports linking Carney. Uh, 21-year-old Carney. <laughs> 58-year-old Carlo with a move to Wellington. He's still 35, oh, apparently. Oh, amazing. I'm sure he was 35 when Portsmouth signed yeah, him. Yeah, when you have a birthday every 18 months. Well, anyway, he was looking at potentially getting a 10-game guest stint. Um, he was linked in, back in 2008 when he was 37 um, to Gold Coast <laughs> and Sydney FC. Uh, one day he'll get a game here, I'm sure. We've been talking about it often enough. Yeah, too All many right. rumours. Well, let's. Uh, I mean, Trevor, let's have, let's cast our eye back over the year. Um, you know, personally, A League, European leagues. Let's talk about you know some of the highlights of the year. So let's talk about what would be your sort of game of the year. Game of the year. Yeah. I, I think it would have to be the Socceroos at the Asian Cup. Uzbekistan, you know, yeah, mauling, yeah, because I mean, it, it was always going to be a tough game, you know, going into, it, and you would have taken sort of squeezing past them, and and to watch the Socceroos really maul a team, and to have a new coach in there, we, you know, it was Holger's first real big test, wasn't it? And then you you, you then felt secure that we had the right man. Um, Harry came back into form. You had players emerging. Robbie Cruz was coming on and doing well, and it just it felt like everything you know was clicking and. Look, the Asian Cup didn't end well in the sense that we just got edged out by Japan, but there's a real sense of arrival for a, a coming generation. I think that Socceroos or Australia-wise, that would have to be my sort of okay. game of the year. I think I'd go for uh, for a number of reasons, not not necessarily just the obvious one that it was an amazing game would be the grand final, mm. um, simply because I think it had been a bad period, you know, a bad couple of months post World Cup bid. The crowds had been down all season. There was obviously the, you know, the the axe hanging over fury, 
and we knew that we were facing a seven-month off-season. So I think to have that game be the spectacle that it was, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, and the drama, which was as good as you will see in any final anywhere in the world, I just think kept enough fans interested. You know, like we needed that game to show the potential. The potential was still there in terms of 50,000, you know, the sea of orange that was there and the Mariners fans that travelled, but also the quality of the game just left people I think with enough to sort of like scribble with the nuts for hibernation to yeah, sort of yeah. go into to say look it's not dead you know it, there is still a heartbeat here we've just got to wait for it so yeah. I think that that would be my my game of the year and also for just sheer drama you just couldn't beat it that just summed up why yeah. football will always be the best game in the world and I, th- I think we said it at the end we both kind of like half celebrated that I mean I, yeah. I didn't care if Brisbane equalised or not I'd, I'd I don't support any A-League team, but it was something about it, wasn't it? Just that it yeah. happened was almost worth celebrating. All right, what about a player of the uh, calendar year? Let's, let's talk about your f- player of world football and your local player of the year. World football, well, I mean, we've got into a situation where it's a bit like what, when Tiger Woods was at the, the top of the golf thing. It's daylight to second, isn't it, in terms of you know, Lionel Messi and the debate about I don't think there's a debate about if he's the best player in the world anymore. I think the debate just centers on if he's the best player ever or if he'll go on to be the best player ever. Um, and yeah, I mean, globally, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't name a better player or anyone even close to him at the moment. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to go someone different. Um, uh, I'm going to go for David Silva. Simply because I think when he first came to the Premier League or when Man City signed him, there was the, you know, there were people, oh, can, you know, can that, a player like him cut it in the Premier League? And for a while he was sort of fringe and, and he sort of just through sheer and utter ability has shown that, you know, you can be five foot seven and mm. weigh six stone ringing wet and play in the centre, in midfield in the Premier League. You know, and we've got a feature coming up in the magazine about, you know, the, the rise of, the, of this sort of player. And I just think to, to come and, you know, into a new country, out yeah. of your comfort zone, and just force your way into to become like the pivotal player in the most expensive team ever assembled. I think was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, locally. Oh, Matt Mackay for me. I mean, let's have a look at the year he had. I mean, it, this time last year he was playing well for Brisbane. Um, you know, and, and Brisbane going, you know, starting to go really well. But in terms of what happened this year, ended up going to the Asian Cup. Um, being one of our best players, played in different positions, played in the Asian Cup final, completely changed the perception of A-League players on international football. Then he went back with Brisbane, won the double, <laughs> um, you know, was out of this world the whole time for them. Um, carried on establishing himself in the Socceroos and then eventually engineered a move to a big club in Europe. Um, and you, this is this is a guy, I mean, you could say... Has he moved? I thought he signed for Rangers. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's he's on holiday in Scotland, but I, I do I do I can I can see him breaking into that team and doing well. But I mean, you compare he, he's been around for a while. You know, he's been playing you know Brisbane for a while and uh, the National Soccer League before that and stuff. So this year was the year that a guy who's you know nearing thirty now just had his whole career turned on its head. So yeah, on, on every enough. level, on club and international level, Matt McKay. I'm going to stick with our uh, player of the season. Um, I'm going to stick with Thomas Browich. Um, as my local player of the year, I just think, and uh, you know, in the last few games has just highlighted just how important he is to that Brisbane, make make that whole team tick, um, and to consistently do it, you know, like do it once, you know, for for one season is fine, but he's not missed, a, you know, a beat 
and has really sort of, you know, let's talk about the two players together. You know, for the first part of this season, it looked like Brisbane weren't missing Matt Mackay at all, mm. you know, because Broich had moved into a more central position and just ran things. But um, as we've seen now, you know, when Broich isn't there and Mackay's not there, maybe there are some issues that need addressing. Um, what about your, oh, I think I know the answer to this, biggest disappointment of the season, of the year? Of the year? Well, I can't. I can't use a personal example. Of course you can. Uh, yeah, nineteen teams being above West Ham in the league. That was. <laughs> so that that would have been amazed if you'd said anything else. Yeah, that that wasn't good. Mind you, there was just a feeling that we were a limp animal that had been put to death. So it's actually quite a relief, really. Um, yeah, the, that was a massive disappointment. But I mean, I think a lot sentence on the, the the World Cup bit. I mean, there, there was a real period this year, wasn't there, where. You know the World Cup bid didn't go well. Everyone was against FFA. You know Fury went. We had just the longest closed season, and it was a tough period, wasn't it, for just all football fans? Um, and it, it does really feel like we've come out the other end of that now, and, it, and everything's going, you know, better. So yeah, I mean, in terms of biggest disappointments ever, the World Cup stuff's not good either. Right, my biggest disappointment is again close to home is uh, the appointment of Alex McLeish. Just. <laughs> I mean, I hated it at the time. Hated it at the time, not because he'd been manager of Birmingham City, just because of the football that his teams play. And mm. we're sort of seeing that at Villa now, and he's very slowly turning us into Birmingham City, which is a, a, a very desperate situation the, for us. The thing is, I mean, it might be a little bit different for, for sort of, you know, Villa, and I know Tottenham fans say this as well, is that when you support a team that, you know, you can support them your whole life and you'll probably just get a handful of cup finals and just mid-table. If you're going to spend that much of your life watching a team, you want them to play good football. Or you want them to be entertaining, don't you? You know, well, it's not or, the same as being pragmatic. Or I could compromise that if they were winning. Yeah, if they were right. If, if I got were... a coach like a George Graham and came in, right, yeah. we're going to, you know, 1-0 to the Arsenal, we're going to yeah. play a high back line, but you're going to win the championship doing it, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that too. But, but if it's the choice of being... 16th or 17th playing awful football or you know or you know or 9th or 10th playing awful football or 16th playing good football and scoring three and conceding four I'll take that any day of the week yeah you know? alright last last one for New Year's wish you've got one wish for next year football wish <laughs> what's it going to be football wish um, well on a, on a personal level promotion yeah for West Ham sort of you know back up to the, the big league I think an, another wish another Socceroos one is is to see that next generation emerge for them to be given a chance and to come into the team and flourish and this is, there's always been for a while now this concern about how we're going to replace that golden generation and I think that you know this year as we're kicking on to qualify for the World Cup it's pivotal to see people even people like Amini perhaps coming through and emerging and doing well in the Bundesliga and just there's something really exciting about a generation change in an international team and, and if that can work for us um, this year then that'll that'll be well worth it well mine is I don't know if you've seen the uh, front page of Marca yesterday the Spanish daily newspaper where no. uh, there was a big picture of David Villa and Aston Villa are one of the name check teams that are circling for a January move yeah <laughs> oh, it's, it's written David Villa playing for Villa and rumours that he was seen on New Street Station eating a bolty pie, I've heard, are a little <laughs> bit premature. The marketing's already there for that, isn't it? But I'm not quite sure how he would fit into our system, really. You know, it's like, well, David, you just need to time your run as Emil takes his seventh touch <laughs> in midfield and slowly turns his body to face forward. Then you start your run. 
Yeah. Either that, or you wait until Richard Dunn or James Collins fire it in from 60 yards, neck high, and just control that. Yeah. But anyway, we can all dream. Yeah. That's, that's what I'll be uh, putting under my milk and cookies for Santa. <laughs> Um, all right, that's it for part two. We'll be back in part three where we will discuss all the goings on in the English Premier League where Man City saw their title, uh, their undefeated record go this week. So join us after the break. Before instantly stop snoring. After instantly stop snoring. Before instantly stop snoring. After instantly stop snoring. Snoring is generally caused by incorrect tongue placement. Instantly Stop Snoring provides a simple mouth guard designed to hold the lower jaw stable, forward and clear of the airways. Here's the number you've been searching for. 1-800-991-259. That's 1-800-991-259 for Instantly Stop Snoring. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We are turning our attention to the English Premier League now, uh, where Manchester City suffered their first defeat of the season at the hands of Chelsea. Um, Balotelli opened the scoring before uh, Morales and uh, a late penalty from Frank Lampard, who came on as a sub. So Chelsea take the points, although Clichy was sent off, which meant the last half an hour Man City were playing with 10 men. Um, Good result for the rest of the league. Gives everyone a little bit of a G up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, they are, as we've seen with Brisbane, you know, they are human. They are beatable. Yeah, I mean, they did for a while feel like a danger. You know, when they got five points in front and the way they're playing and they'd smashed Man U at Old Trafford, they did feel a little bit inevitable that, you know, they weren't going to stop. And especially the way they swat aside the, the teams down, you know, lower down in the league. Like we see with Liverpool keep getting disappointed you know, draws and slip up against teams that perhaps they should be beating. City didn't look like doing that. So yeah, I mean it, it puts Chelsea's title being back on track. Um sort of a, enough of a start to encourage um, you know, everyone really. Well you sort of get the feeling right, with everything that's going on at Chelsea, you know, you've got Torres on the bench, there's talking about him potentially being shipped out for twenty million, losing thirty million on him in a year. You know, there's this talk about Le- leaks from the you know leaks from the training ground that Villas Boas has told players to come and celebrate with the bench and yeah you know you, I just, you just get the feeling that Chelsea are lurching along like just slightly being held together and it could all go completely pear shaped at any point you know that was utterly bizarre that um, the idea that they'd have to celebrate with the coach and Chelsea came out and confirmed that the players had been said I mean that's it's just a, but he's a, since a denied it. Thing. They've since denied it. But the it. club so, came out and confirmed well, yeah. it at first, didn't they? But what was interesting was, did you see that, that neither of them did it? No. <laughs> well, you wouldn't. In fact, they went the other way. Yeah, I mean, you can't ask players to do stuff like that. And it's... But, but also, I, there, there was an interesting point that somebody picked up, because obviously when we, on our coverage with Fox, they just obviously cut from it. But in the... Um, but after the game, uh, this was from the, the UK reports, that Didier Drogba... Um, called all the players back onto the pitch, like like Czech and Terry were apparently down the tunnel. He called them all back, and they had a huddle on the pitch yeah. with no none of the coaching staff present. Oh, right. So Villas Boas has said, "Come and celebrate the goals with me." Yeah, <laughs> and they didn't after do that. The game. Then after the game, he'll be waiting in the changing room. <laughs> 
or in the tunnel to shake their hands and Drogba has called the players and they've all gone back out onto the pitch yeah I mean it's just bizarre but talk, talking about strange stuff on the pitch did you see the close up in the breaking play with Mata and Silva no. talking behind their hands right because no. they, they obviously know now the players know that pretty yeah there's so many cameras and the lip reading that and we've obviously the John Terry side that, that anything they say on the pitch could could potentially be um you know be be saw it seen after the event so they they were there was a break in play someone was injured and they were stood talking to each other and they both had their hands over their mouth talking to each other deliberately doing it it was it was bizarre. It's like um, I love to know what they were saying yeah. to each other. It's like being part of the mafia. Yeah, you know, in casino, and they have to go outside and speak like that. It's exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I'd love to know what that conversation was. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, so it brings a bit of life back into things, and uh, obviously, you know, Chelsea will see that as their, their chance. They're still Chelsea is still seven points behind Man City, but um, Man United uh, obviously now two points behind. Uh, Tottenham's uh, run took a dent. They're on a fantastic run for the for the last sort of you know 12 games. Uh, that came to an end at Stoke. Uh, Tottenham and Harry Redknapp will point towards uh, a pretty ordinary display from Chris Foy, the referee. Yeah, um, uh, who isn't Chris Hoy, Hoy. the cyclist? Yeah, I saw that as well. <laughs> Those intellectuals at Tottenham. Chris Hoy, the Olympic cyclist, has been getting abusive messages on Twitter from Spurs fans and has had to repeatedly point out that he's an Olympian, not, <laughs> not a Premier League referee. The joys of Twitter. Yeah. Um, a way to Stoke, I mean, the, the, I think the Guardian said it in their match report, is if, if you want to know a team's title credentials, send them to Stoke, because um, it, it's always going to be a tough game. And I don't think that's a, a massive problem for Tottenham, to be, to be fair. Like you say, the, the, it wasn't a superb refing performance, and it's, it's one of the harder games in the division going away to Stoke. So I think they'll be confident in getting back on track pretty quickly. All right, Martin O'Neill uh, came to Sunderland, immediately saw uh, an uplift with them beating Blackburn. As we said, a, a poor Blackburn team. Just 92nd minute uh, free kick winner from Seb Larson. Um, interesting as well, you know, people were talking about, well, you know, did O'Neill... It was interesting. They actually got booed off at half-time again, you know. So, yeah. so the Sunderland fans weren't really giving O'Neill much latitude. Um, but then, obviously... I, I was again listening to some of the the, the, the feedback on this from jur local journalists up there that said O'Neill did make a difference to this simply because if um, if Bruce would have still been in charge, half the fans would have left before the last ten minutes. Yeah, because that's what was happening. Hmm. So the fact that the fans stayed and kept cheering the team on, you know, and then when they got the equaliser, then obviously the noise level raised and they they got the winner. Said that that was the effect of Martin O'Neill because. It would have just dribbled out into a one-nil defeat on the Bruce. So, um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he does there. You know, he's got a big job on his hands, um, but that's a, a perfect way to uh, to start your uh, your tenure there. Perfect fixture as well, and at home to Blackburn, really. Yeah, Arsenal uh, celebrate their 125th anniversary with a win. A lot of uh, Arsenal legends uh, in the crowd, and they unveiled a statue of Thierry Henry. Um, Rumours that it, the ball was on his hand. Or, um, <laughs> I don't think that was the case. Uh, he got all teary. Which way, um, Van Persie, let's talk about this for a goal. Yeah. What a volley. Yeah. I Controlled mean, volley. A, like, per a perfect way to celebrate, oh. wasn't it? You know, a big, and what I love is that I also love when goals like that are the only goal in the game. Yeah. So he won it via that, yeah. you know. But also, it was like the, the thing I loved about it, like that. And it was a little bit like Van Basten when he scored that freak volley in the European Championship final, is he didn't over-celebrate it. It was like, 
yeah. Yeah. It's a goal, but there's nothing, you know, I'm not surprised that I've scored that goal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like they are shocked and go nuts. It's like they just celebrate. It's like, yeah, yeah, do that all the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, fantastic finish. And, you know, what a role he's on, you know, and just Arsenal fans out there just pray that, um, Van Persie, uh, doesn't get injured. Uh, my boys Villa got a very timely win away at Bolton. Um, although there's a bit of a wobble in the second half when the, they got one back, but um, the first half display deserved the points there. Although, concerningly, you know, Villa have only really beaten sides like Wigan, Blackburn, and Bolton. Um, we need to start beating sides a little bit higher up than that to, uh, to secure our place. So Suarez on the mark for Liverpool, neat header. 47 minutes good good performance there from QPR Man United bounced back from the Champions League disappointment two goals from Nani two goals from Rooney I think Rooney's first goals in nine games yeah he, he was on one of his long if, if not his if he hadn't scored in that it would have been his longest streak without scoring in the Premier League he, he's missed the hot and cold though isn't he he really you know when he's on form he's petrifyingly brilliant but he can be um quite dire for patches as well and this week also saw uh, on Rooney get his uh, UEFA ban reduced from three games to two games so he will be fit yeah uh, fit he will be available if fit for the yeah. uh, final group game in the Euros which I believe is against Ukraine yeah oh, England have only got four games there so you don't want to be banned for three of them <laughs> yeah, so. uh, Norwich continue their great start to the season uh, highest placed uh, promoted side although not you know Swansea just below them in, uh, in 11th but Paul Lambert continues to, to do a fantastic job there on the on limited resources. Uh, 4-2 win against Newcastle. Uh, although Denver Barr got another two goals, so proving that he's one of the hottest strikers in the Premier League at the moment. But a little bit of a signs that the Newcastle bubble is bursting. I mean, it, yeah, let's be fair, it's not surprising when they're, you know, they're, both their centre-halves are now injured, looking yeah. like particularly long-term injuries, especially to Taylor. Um and they've not had the, the deepest of squads. I think they had a couple of lads playing out of position at centre back. So um, lost all their best players. Yeah. So you'd, you'd think that they would look to strengthen in January, but obviously with uh, Mike Ashley, you never know how much money's there. No, probably. Maybe not they could that. spend that money that went into the club from renaming the stadium. <laughs> oh yeah, they'll yeah, see that. That money. All right, Swansea. Let's do that. Two 0 win over Fulham, uh, and Swansea again you know, under Brendan Rodgers, holding their own in the Premier League, more than holding their own. 11. So, you know, this is going to be interesting because, you know, if Norwich, Swansea and QPR continue at this rate, finishing mid-table, that means that three Premier, current Premier League teams are going to go down. Can you remember the last time all three promoted teams stayed up? No, I no, can't. we're in a bit, they don't think there's as big a gap, or certainly not at the moment, as, as to the top of the Championship to the, to the bottom of the Premier League. And yeah, Bolton, Blackburn and, and Wigan, um, you know, really... Really, really limping their way through at the minute, and, and yeah, I mean all the other teams sniffing around there, the, the Wolves and the Sunderland and West Brom are all you know relatively established I think, now. I, I think the big difference between you know Norwich and Swansea and the play, and it, the most important difference is the coaches that are bringing them up. Yeah, that they're you know they're very progressive sort of you know new wave of young coaches that are coming through, and traditionally what we used to see with promoted sides would be. They would come up and they would just, you know, they, they would just try and not lose every game. Yeah. You know, that would be their first thing. Let's not lose. Let's keep it tight. And what we've seen with these sides is they're actually coming up and, and are happy to take, you know, dominate possession. You mm. know, Swansea have got some of the best 
possession and pass completion stats in the whole league. Yeah. You know, and I think that's so critical in the game today to have the ability to keep the ball. Yeah. You know, whereas teams that have come up before have sort of surrendered possession, have parked the bus, and ultimately you can't do that for a whole season because you'll end up losing way more games than you win. Yeah. But it, these teams are going out and are actually being able to dominate games against all bar the top sides. You know, they're dominating possession against the teams around them. Yeah. You know, and they're beating teams like Fulham and, you know, as we've seen, they're beating teams like Newcastle. And, and I think it's great to see because I think, it, you know, it does give the teams coming up a little bit of a blueprint, which is, you know, come up and play football and you've got every chance of staying in the league. Yeah. Uh, West Brom, uh, this is a big blow to the confidence. Wigan, uh, away win. There's not many of those. No. Um, Wigan went there. Goals from Moses and Gomez, a penalty on 57 minutes. Saw them uh, move off the bottom into uh, 18th. Mm. So the league table uh, looks like uh, Man City now top 38 points, Man United 36, Chelsea, Tottenham 31 and Arsenal on 29 at the bottom. Bolton 9 points, Blackburn 10 points, Wigan 12 points, that's the bottom three. Well, let's have a quick look ahead uh, as we get into sort of Christmas week. Um, the games this weekend, Blackburn, West Brom, Everton, Norwich, Fulham, Bolton, Newcastle, Swansea. Wolves, Stoke, and Wigan, Chelsea. Any standouts there, Trev? Um, I think Chelsea would be feeling pretty confident going to Wigan, even though they've, even though they've they've just won there. Bolton um, away to Fulham. I mean, Bolton being terrible at home, but I mean they're now five points cut away at the bottom. Um, Owen Coyle was was getting lots of raps last year, wasn't he? For you know how much he turned them around, and they're playing good football and they're going well. Um, I think dire straits now and they probably need to look at going to places like Fulham and, and picking up points really yeah I mean let's just run through them I mean Black, uh, where are we at Wigan Chelsea I mean the Sporting Bet have got Wigan 9 bucks draw $4.50 Chelsea $1.36 9 bucks at home <laughs> 9 bucks at home Wolves Stoke uh, bit of a local derby East Midlands West Midlands um, Wolves $2.50 the draw $3.20 Stoke $2.80 um what else have we got there? Uh, Newcastle Swansea, uh, Newcastle a dollar seventy-seven. The draw three dollars fifty. Swansea four dollars fifty. Not bad at all. That's not a bad bet for me. Although Swansea haven't won away this season, them and Blackburn are the only teams that haven't got an away win. Do win. Do win. I actually had we were talking about the pod last week, um, and. I actually backed Swansea we felt that you know they'd be a good bet and paid out alright so. Fulham Bolton $1.60 uh, to Fulham this is on Sporting Bet $3.70 to draw $5.75 Bolton although it'd be interesting to see um, how Fulham cope without Mark Schwarzer mm. for a while Everton Norwich uh, Everton $1.60 the draw $3.75 Norwich $5.50 Blackburn West Brom Blackburn $2.30 the draw $3.30 and West Brom Three bucks. That's Sunday a, games. That's a big game, the Blackburn West Brom one. Massive, although I probably wouldn't want to watch it. No. Uh, massive games on Sunday. QPR host Man United. Um, Trev. Hmm. Warnock v Fergie. Yeah. Two hair dryers going at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Q, we're saying before QPR being a little bit all over the place, but this is with the sort of game the, they'll have a go at Man U. There's no reason early kick off at home. Um, but Manu, I think, you know, who didn't have a, uh, that great an away record last season when they won the title. Um, but I, th- I think they'll probably do just enough against QPR. Well, they're, un- they're unbeaten away from home at the moment. Yeah. Man United. So, 1 5, drawn 2. Vidic out, though. Yeah, um, big blow. And that's massive. The rest of the season, yeah. QPR are 7 bucks to win at home. The draw's $4.30. And Man United, the $1.44. Tired around. 
Villa Liverpool. Um, that's the two o'clock game in the UK. One a.m. kickoff here. Villa three dollars seventy-five. Liverpool a dollar ninety-five. The draw three dollars forty. We have an awful record over Liverpool normally. Uh, we we got a win against them at home in the last game of last season when neither right. side was really bothered. Stuart Downing got the only goal and he's now playing for Liverpool. Uh, so. um, yeah, I mean, Liverpool lost three games away from home already this season. I, I think they've only scored eight goals in their seven away games. Um, I don't think there's any reason why you couldn't run them pretty close. Draw, okay. I think. Uh, Spurs entertain Martin O'Neill's Sunderland. Um, this would be interesting. Uh, can, can O'Neill work his magic away? Uh, Spurs obviously suffered their first defeat in 13 games um, oh, yeah. in the league, so they'll want to bounce back straight away. Uh, Sporting Bet have got it at $1.34. Spurs, $4.80 the draw, $8.50 Sunderland, so not a lot of love for Sunderland at the bookies. But That's about right, actually. Yeah. I'd, I'd imagine Tottenham, especially yeah. at home. Yeah. And probably the, you know, the, the biggest game of the weekend, Man City, uh, fresh from their first defeat of the season, host Arsenal. Yep. In the uh, in the late game on Sunday, so uh, early hours of Monday morning here. Um, Trev, how do you see this one going? I, I think fascinating that, game. This, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I, I think you know Arsenal will be pleased to be going there after City just lost the game, but I, I think I can see City returning to to winning ways at home. Okay, uh, Sporting better agree with you. Dollar sixty-eight Man City. The draw three dollars sixty-five. Arsenal five bucks. Actually, that's all right, though. <laughs> is that tempting you? That is tempting, yeah. Is that teasing you? It's amazing. You can go, no, 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 they're not going to win. And then you can find out the price and go, I think I'll place some money on yeah. that thing I don't think is going to happen. All right, so that's this weekend. There's uh, games, and obviously games uh, in the English Premier League come thick and fast over the holiday break, uh, the traditional sort of Boxing Day fixtures. There's a full round of Premier League games on the 21st as well. Yeah. Uh, so Tuesday the 20th sees Wolves, Norwich, Blackburn, Bolton. God, it doesn't get any easier for us. Arsenal at home on the 21st. Man City host Stoke, Newcastle host West Brom, Everton at home to Swansea, Fulham, Man U, QPR, Sunderland, Wigan, Liverpool. And then on Thursday the 22nd, another massive game, Spurs v Chelsea. So, um, and then they'll, they'll play if you haven't got Foxtel, get it now. Yeah, and then they'll play a game, Boxing Day, then they'll play the 31st, and then yeah. there'll be games in the second. It's, yeah, it's Unbelievable. Then the FA Cup. Yeah. All right, that is it for part three. We will be back to preview uh, this weekend's A-League round 11 uh, and that will be it for us for this year the new 442 magazine is out now and it's a Socceroos special we interview five leading players about making the next World Cup via their road to Rio we also have what turned out to be Gary Speed's final interview an Aboriginal football special with Travis Dodd and Jade North ask if La Liga is doomed and Rivaldo answers your questions the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this year's final 442 part. Insider. It is week 11 in the A-League. Uh, kicks off, traditionally, with Adelaide at home on a Friday night. Uh, hosting Gold Coast, massive game, you'd say, for both sides. Adelaide really need a win to uh, take the pressure off really cool, but also really to get their season back on track. Um... Can they ask for anything more than Gold Coast at home? Well, no, I mean, yeah. Is that an early Christmas present? <laughs> home to the bottom team, but then again, look where Adelaide are, are in the league. Yeah. There's no reason to assume the winner. I, I don't think... Um, I think Gold Coast are probably fair enough being at the bottom, but I don't think they deserve to be as cut off down the bottom as they are. I, th- I think they can they can be you know pretty competitive. Um, my, one thing I'll say from watching them, Marco Richter seems to be getting uh, more unfit and worse by the week. 
He seemed he seemed to start with a bang and then he's. <laughs> but it feels like, it's like I was watching it on Sunday, and if his second and third touches were as good as his first, yeah. he'd be world class. Yeah. There was a couple of first touches he had that were just like different class. Mm. Into space, took took the nearest player to him out of it. But then his second and third touches are really laboured, and he gives the opposite the chance to get back and. You know, and he's just think, he, you know, I just get the feeling that the mind's still there and that first touch is still there, but beyond that, his body is not really proofing up to it. Isn't he in his mid twenties? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't look <laughs> it or play like it, though, does he? <laughs> I know, but it's, yeah, it's just frustrating when you see a player like that. He's obviously got so much sort of talent, but he did, he, just not either his head's not right or his body's not right, and he just seems to be getting in worse shape to me, which. Doesn't seem plausible, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was that one in really incredible first touch where he spun, wasn't it? Yeah. He just took it and spun. And yeah. It just, yeah, it was, yeah, you know, really, really. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a draw here, um, which I think will be pretty disappointing for Adelaide and, and, and pretty decent for, um, for Gold Coast. But, you know, when I was watching Adelaide victory the, the other way, I was thinking these are two teams that are currently are very hard to sit here and predict either of them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, on Sporting Bet, a draw will get you uh, $3.35, Gold Coast $3.80, Adelaide $1.95. That's short for you know, you, You'd want to hope that, obviously, with, with Sergio van Dijk back, um, you know, that should signal, you know, you'd hope, a return to, uh, to Fort Valley. Because they, you know, they are the league's worst scorers. You know, they've only scored eight goals in ten games. Yeah, yeah, in our preview, I think it's that they might have the you know, well probably the second best attacking unit yeah. after victory. Who are also we know, eh? who are also struggling to score. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I don't even know if he's left or he's injured or what's that. This is a genuine question. Where's Joel Porter? I don't know because I thought he was he was going to be pivotal for them. I mean, how many goals did he score in England? And when he came over, I thought he was going to you know yeah. run away with it. But all right, Newcastle host Sydney FC. Um, not been the happiest of hunting grounds for Sydney FC over the years, I don't think. I uh, don't remember them getting too many wins up there. No. Uh, Newcastle, very strong at home. Yeah, um, should be very strong favourites. And I, I think they can, um, I think they're pretty convincingly. Well, you Sydney can get a value bet on Newcastle then. $2.50. Newcastle on sporting bet. Sydney, right. $2.70. And the draw, $3.30. No, I'm more confident that the Jets are going to win than, than those. Those odds suggest. Okay, Brisbane, as we talked about, is this the perfect game for them to bounce back? Home to the Mariners. Uh, Suncorp Stadium, Saturday night, prime time. Rumours whether Broich is back or not. Uh, somebody posted on Twitter yesterday that he was out, or there was a story on the World Game that suggested that he was out. Matt Smith as uh, well might not be back. And then someone from the club from Brisbane said that that's not the case and he's still in contention to return on Saturday. Yeah, that, that that could be vital. Um, the start's vital, as we were saying earlier. Um, Brisbane getting these sort of woeful starts and not being able to get themselves back into it, um, especially against a good Mariners side. So the first half an hour is going to be pivotal for how this one goes. I, I think I'll sit on the fence and say it'll be a draw. A draw will get you $3.40, Mariners $3.40, and Brisbane $2.05 on Sporting mm. Bet. Uh, Perth, entertain Melbourne Heart. Uh, Perth, traditionally strong. Melbourne Heart with their tails up, playing good football. Um, these are the sorts of games that Melbourne have got. Melbourne Heart have got to go and win. Yeah, you know, exactly. They, they want to be, you know, top four, top two, top three. You know, they need to go and win at Perth. Yeah, and I, you Did know, you see them doing it. I'm actually, I'm actually going to back Perth. I think they've been fairly pragmatic without being spectacular at home, and you know, able to get the sort of 
one nil home victory, and I think there might be a sort of similar scoreline this time around. Okay. Um, Perth two dollars twenty five, Melbourne Heart three bucks, and the draw three dollars thirty five. It's hard um, to call though. There's not a lot in that one. You know, yeah, like, oh, I, always, I always find Perth games the hardest to call because you just don't know what Perth side's going to turn up. No, well, they got the players. Yeah, smelty on fire, and then yeah. they'll run away with it. All right, uh, and the round is closed out by Melbourne victory hosting Wellington Phoenix at Amy Park on Sunday, five o'clock on Sunday. Draw. They're at home. Victory at home. Victory at home. Draw. Yeah, for, for, yeah. I think I am going to go for a draw. I think you know Wellington picked up a point away at Brisbane. They've been going well at home. Um, you know, Victory can't get things moving. I'm, I'm genuinely excited to see Harry play again after he played last week. And yeah, but draw. <laughs> the draw get you three dollars fifty on Sporting Bet Melbourne Victory, or should we be calling the Melbourne Draw? No, dollar uh, seventy five and Wellington four dollars sixty. Yeah. Yeah, I think a draw on that one. That's it on my agenda. Any other business to Any? round out the year? Well, we're sent the last magazine of the year. Yeah, what about the mag that's on sale now? Socceroos Road to Rio is, yeah. the, is the one currently out. Um, so a, a good chat with you know people like Lucas Neal and Matt Mackay, Brett Goldman about um, how we're going to qualify and how the process is. Uh, has gone so far. We've also got a special Christmas subscription offer uh, that is in uh, iSubscribe. So it's iSubscribe.com.au if you want our special offer, which is a uh, $50 subscription and a free $30 Socceroos flag. Um, Perfect. Hey, if unbeatable. You've, if you've left it late to get you a present a, for someone. If you a gift that keeps on giving all year, yep. then subscription to 442. Uh, also, if you've got an iPaddy, we are now in the newsstand. So you can subscribe to 442 on the iPad. Uh, I think it's about 30 bucks for the whole year, which is ridiculous. In fact, that's too cheap. I'm yeah. going to go and change that right now. <laughs> Hold on. So if you've got an iPad, you need to be quick because I'm about <laughs> to put the price up. But anyway... That is it for 2011 for the 442 Insider Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed doing yep. it. And we're back, the, is it the week beginning, the 7th or 8th or something? Yeah, week, uh, no, week of the 9th. So week I think the, the next podcast will be January the 12th, where we'll review all of the Christmas action. Thanks to our producer, Simon, for putting up with us all year. Uh, and have a fantastic Christmas and New Year. Enjoy your football, and we'll be back in January to talk you through it. Cheers. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.